Welcome to another episode of Peers Over Beers, your favorite digital and social evangelist podcast with your industry veteran hosts, Chris Tetzel. This podcast starts now. All right. Welcome to another Peers Over Beers. I'm Chris Detzel and I'm Nicole Saunders. Nicole, no shock. You're back. Glad Yay. to have you back. Yay. I'm always happy to be here. I love talking with you, Chris. Yeah. And I love talking to you and about all things uh, community. What are we talking about today? Well, you and I were talking in the pre-show about how we've actually both had a lot of different managers at our companies and have gone through a lot of change and that it, it, it seems like change is the only constant in tech companies. So uh -huh. we were saying that I think we're going to talk about how to navigate that change while maintaining stability for your community. Ooh, I like it. Um, yeah. Why don't we dive right in? So, you know, I know that you guys have been going through some change. We at my company have gone through through change and we're not mad about it, I don't think. You know, maybe there's some emotions <laughs> that go through some of these changes, but you know, let's talk about that. Do you want to go first and then I can go or do you want me to go first? Um, sure, I can dive in. So, yeah. you know, I think part of it is that you and I both work in tech, right? Yeah. And uh, I've worked at a lot of startups, which is like rapid change, right? I worked at one company where we went from nine employees to 250 in two years, right? <laughs> yeah, wow. It's like total crazy culture change, building out organizations, all of that. And even at Zendesk, which is a bigger company, and, and I wouldn't really call us a startup these days. Yeah. Um, I've, you know, I had my, my first manager who was actually based out of Australia. And so there's some interesting things with that. And then I moved over to reporting. You've been there five years plus, right? So six and a half, it, six and a half. So let's put it in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, so I was with him for about nine months or so. And then I moved over to the support team and I had like an interim manager there for like two months. And then I had a more permanent manager there for about two years. And then we moved over to the marketing team and I had two different managers in that space. And now I'm on the communications and customer marketing team and have a new manager. And so even in a fairly stable company, we've had a lot of change and shift. And of course we were acquired by the PE firm last year. And so that's led to a lot of things. And every manager of course comes with new ideas and yeah. new directives and different priorities. And so there's a lot of shifting and change you're trying to do while at the same time build a community, which is something that requires like, what are some of the core things of building a community, right? You have to be consistent. Yeah. You have to, to provide stability for the users. They have to have an experience where they can come and, it, you know, it's very reliable. And so it's been really interesting to think about how to navigate changes and shifts and how to sort of make what I'm doing portable and I can take it around to these different <laughs> places, right? Yeah. While still creating a sense of like smooth sailing in the, in the public space for the community members. So how about you? Talk a little bit about your history and kind of some of the changes that you've wondered yeah. in your role. Yeah. And I have lots of questions for you. So, uh, but mm -hmm. for me, it, it's been somewhat similar. I've been with Reltio almost three years in December. So not even, so two and a half wow. years is really coming up quick. Yeah, no, it, it does. It, it's, it's crazy how it changes. And, um, I've had four managers, uh, and mm -hmm. two kind of different, uh, areas, organizations. So I was in, you know, uh, I reported to the chief customer officer uh, uh, at first and uh, within the customer org, and then that person left, and then another chief customer officer came in. And then um, 
Then a year later, I was moved over to the marketing team, which I've never worked for a marketing team in my life. So trying to understand kind of the, you know, what they're trying to accomplish, what they're doing, and then trying to think about how I fit in and how, you know, it was, it was a tough transition. And then now I report to another chief marketing officer uh, at Relteo. So, you know, it's, it's not just, so there's a couple things there and, and I would love to kind of get your thoughts too, but is when you move from one organization that has completely different goals. So when you think of customer, you're thinking of retention and higher renewals and product adoption ish, you know, kind of stuff. And when you go to marketing, not all smaller marketing teams care about, you know, net new, not, not to say all marketing teams should care about mm-hmm. that, but you know, but it was different. Right. You know, and so for me, I was not really ever thinking about net new. <laughs> so, and then you got to think about the different styles of each manager, right? You know, some people are, oh, just do whatever, you know, it's cool. Some people yeah. want to know everything that's going on. And you mentioned, uh, and, and I think this is important is that how do you, portably bring along some of the things that you've accomplished, that you've done, that you want to do, but without affecting your um, community, right? So what the goals of the community from a customer standpoint for me, it's got to somewhat stay the same if I go to the marketing team when they're thinking about net new, but how do I then change my thinking a little bit to kind of their thinking, but also keep kind of that customer piece engage and involve. Yeah. I think it's good, but it's also, it's a strain on us. <laughs> you know, to, and, and we got to get used to it. You know, it's not easy. For sure. You know, like I said, I think it can be really frustrating, especially the first time it happens to you where yeah. you've got a new directive or a new manager or something like that. And this thing is like, it's not necessarily a manager changing, right? It could be the company's going in a new direction. Yeah. Maybe they've prioritized community and they suddenly want a lot more out of you or something like that. Um, which is great, right? But it does mean you got to shift what you're doing and how you're thinking about it. And so I think the first thing is that your community should have an objective Mm -hmm. that is kind of agnostic to all of that, right? It should be something that drives value for both the business and the end users that is not dependent on a single organization, um, that. Now that can be tricky. Like, I, you know, I moved from support to marketing, right? And our objectives <laughs> changed pretty dramatically in there, right? Uh-huh. Support really cared about ticket deflection. Yeah. And marketing really cares about like leads and brand awareness and yeah. building our fan base. And those are very different things. And so when my team and I sat down to think about like, okay, well, what's the core of our community, right? Like wh- what can we maintain as consistent through this? We decided it was really like our community is here to connect users to one another and to knowledge. And that can look like a lot of different things and that can be carried across a lot of different objectives. But at the end of the day, what differentiates our programs from anything else is the focus on the peer-to-peer knowledge sharing and peer-to-peer engagement. And whether you're talking about people answering each other's questions or people sharing their knowledge about this great product that they (laughs) have had a lot of success with you know, for other people that are struggling with similar issues, which is more of a, a brand advocacy kind of motion, that was really consistent for us. So that was number one, is making sure that you've got a way to summarize what the vision and objective of your community is that isn't specific to a single sort of like motion or division within your business. Yeah. And then the key is have it written down, right? Mm-hmm. Have that deck that says, this is what our programs are about. 
you know, this is what makes up our community. These are the things that we do. Here are the impacts that we have. Because the second that you are engaging with a new team, you're working on a new project, you've got a new manager, you're going to need to sort of read everybody into what the community is. I think it's really easy for all of us to assume that because our work is so public most of the time, people can just go and look at it and see it. But you really do have to sort of introduce people to it. And so it took a, a while to get there. But I know for my team and I, we started doing quarterly reporting, even when we weren't having managers that were asking for it. Yeah. Um, and that came in really handy. The last time we switched managers, you know, the new manager was like, okay. So tell me about what you guys do. And we were able to just like pull up this deck we had just done as a QBR and say, all right, here's what we've been working on. Here are our impacts this quarter. And then when she came back and said, okay, well, I actually have a quarterly reporting thing. We were able to just like slide our stuff right into her information. And just like we were talking about in the last episode, it was really easy for us to align with the way that the rest of the teams that she managed were talking about their business. Yeah. with her template, but it's only because we knew our stuff and we had it written down. And so I think that whether you're creating just a Word document narrative that explains what your community is all about and what you do, or a full deck, or even just having some consistent reporting, having those things at your fingertips is really critical when you've yeah. got somebody new coming in that you need to onboard. I, I completely agree. And uh, you and I talked about this on the pre-show is every year, I, I like the idea of quarterly um, because it's more consistent and it's, you know, more focused, but, um, every year what I do is, um, you know, I, look, we all have kind of our KPIs and core things and that we, we have this thing called lattice and we have to put our information mm -hmm. on what did we accomplish for the year? So what I do is instead of like to help me with that, but also to help me kind of communicate the value of what community brought, you know, every year is create a deck. And in this case, my deck is 16 uh you know 16 slides and mm -hmm. within those 16 slides the first slide is going to just basically be kind of this you know key insights of what we accomplished so key insights for fy23 and then you know three or four or five bullets and then what do we focus on for next year and those can, and then i'll go deep into what we've accomplished what we've done i'll show pictures you know of customers and people doing stuff or even posts that people said about community or how partners and customers and customers are helping each other. So telling that story, you know, about where we accomplish things in marketing, how we helped in product, how we helped with customer success, where we are in each area, because then it touches each aspect of community. And last year, what I decided to do was, and I talked to uh, our CMO at the time, and he was like, Chris, I believe that community is more than just marketing, right? And, yeah. and it, and he, and he said, and so it was good to hear that because, you know, when you're in, for us, when I'm in these marketing meetings, all I hear about is net new, net new, net new, the pipeline this, the pipeline that, you know, but it was, it was beautiful to hear from him to say, you know, you touch parts of the product, you touch parts of marketing. So your plan, we do this plan on a page that shows our plan for the year. Your plan should highlight some marketing activities and things that you're going to do, but also, what are you doing with product? What are you doing with customer success? What are you doing with engineering? Whatever, right? And so, um, so I started creating that. And then now I could do a lot of different, and I look at that past a lot. I'll look at, it's so, okay, I've already done some of that. So what's future? What's, what am I trying to accomplish? And some of it should, could be the same, right? So if I'm trying to get, you know, like you said, uh, ambassadors or brand, more people to do different, uh, I don't know, talks or whatever, 
I want to continue that and show that I've done some more around that area, you know, or whatever. But I do think that's important, you know, and, and I think that's, uh, it's, it's, it's key to, to be able to tell that next boss. And, and something mm-hmm. you mentioned pre-show was can't get mad about it every time it happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, that's not to pretend that I never did, right? <laughs> right. It, it can be really frustrating when you feel like you've got all these things and especially if you, you're working with people that you really like and then it shifts on you, yeah. right? Or if somebody really pushes for you to go in a different direction than what you've been doing, like that can be really frustrating. But I think it's important to just expect that those kinds of things are going to change. You know, don't just assume that you're going to have the same teams, the same managers, the same directives for five years because you won't and you will get frustrated. You will be disappointed. The better thing to do is be prepared for it and think about, you know, in everything you're doing, how do you, you know, I, I use the phrase future proof it, right? But it's, it's really about anticipating change and knowing that change is going to come. And so when you're structuring things, especially in communities, because like it does oftentimes take months, if not years to build out some of these programs, yeah. right? Like we just launched our user groups six months ago and I still feel like they're brand new and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be a few years before that really like ramps up to its full power and value and everything like that. So it'd be really hard if somebody came in and said, we got to deprioritize this. This isn't important. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Which I, you know, knock on wood, hope nobody does. I I don't think they will. I think we're showing good value, but you know, how do you do that? Right. And I think one of it is one piece of it is work with urgency. Don't always assume that you're going to have all the time in the world. If you've got a window to get something done, do it. Um, yeah. I'm a big fan of doing like betas or pilot programs mm-hmm. is like sort of what's that minimum viable thing that you can get out there to prove the value of something. And I've, I've talked about this a lot over the years of how you have to prove the value of something so that then you can go back and ask for more investment to grow it. Yeah. And I think that that's really important because if you wait for, oh, I got to wait till I've got a quiet six months so I can really do this full thing. You're never going to get that quiet, stable six months. What could you do this month to prove out the value and kind of put the stake in the ground so that you can keep building it even amidst change. And then it is about communicating that value and having those documents that, that show all of that. But I think those are really key pieces. Uh, I hear a lot of people say like, oh, well, next summer when it's quiet, I'm going to restructure <laughs> this thing. Or, oh, I'm going to figure that out when I have some downtime. And like, I just never assume that the downtime is going to come. I, I'm always trying to get, you know, a couple pieces in place and then build on them really quickly and, and working with urgency, I think, is a really important one. And it's just don't assume you've got all the time in the world. Assume that things are going to change and you need to get this out there while you've got a moment to do it. It's funny you say that. Is I remember, uh, so I used to do these peers over beers with uh, the previous uh, person, Michael Sandoval. And uh, yeah. he, we went from this um, company that, and you think about the tech company, everything moves so fast, right? Oh, and, yeah. and even whenever we were at a company called Rexel, you know, they just started kind of e-commerce, so digital was new to them, right? And so communities, social, uh, e-commerce, all these things were really new. And so everything was really fast. And so, you know, so you had to do everything with urgency, like you said. And, you know, he went over to this bank <laughs> and he was doing e-commerce kind of stuff. And he goes, Chris, these things move so slow. Like, you know, I'm used to just every single month doing something. He goes, nope, this is a six month to a year kind of thing. You know, and he goes, yeah, because I want to move now. And he goes, they don't, when you think of regulations and all these things that, you know, kind of keep it slow, 
it's a lot harder to move fast. But when you're in a tech company like ours, things change, whether it's your boss, whether it's your department, whether it's like you said uh, in one of our, in our pre-show pre was, look, the, the company could change directions in a little bit, in, in a way, you know? And so, mm -hmm. you know, our messaging can change our whatever. And so we have to be ready, whether it's documenting the things that we do, whether it's, you know, showing the value in different areas. It could also be, hey, we got a new boss, but we have some really great relationships in customer success, support, CEO, I don't know, wherever. You got to leverage those relationships, I think, at the end of the day to, to say, hey, look, we're doing these things in community. Maybe you go to that uh, chief customer officer, I don't know, whatever relationships you have. Can you let our, you know, the new CMO know about this, that, or the other, or, hey, to your boss, hey, just say, if you're not reporting to the CMO, but, you know, you've, you've got to find some of those champions within your own area to make sure that you're good. You know what I mean? I think, Absolutely. you know, is, look, definitely writing it down, showing the value, building the relationships internally to help them to also be your champions. I'm, I'll, I'll tell you one little story because it's quite interesting. So whenever I was at Imperva, um, our CEO left the company and a new CEO comes. And that CEO brings in a new chief customer officer and everything else. And I mean, I had relationships with all these people and now I had no relationships with anybody except for kind of um, mid-level reports. But also when you think about like the, the individual contributors, tons of great relationships with them. And the cool thing was, was uh, that CEO, like within four or five months, said, Chris, I need to talk to you about this community thing. So we get on the phone. She goes, I keep hearing about this community thing. I don't even know what it is. And so I had the opportunity to really talk to her about what community is, the value of community. So it was really cool that people that believed in community were telling the story and all they were talking about was how community was showing value but she didn't even know what the hell it was and so she had to figure out uh for herself what that was so i think you know yeah. having those kind of people to help push is also a good thing absolutely you know and something that you've you've kind of spoken to a couple of different times in your comments here that i want to call out is that importance of being cross-functional uh, right yeah. and Gosh, I think I'm, I'm the queen of cross-functional. It's what I talk about on like 90% of our episodes here. But it's because it's so important in communities and, you know, especially for B2B community. Yeah. One, because we do have impact on so many different parts of the business, like your boss said, right? Yeah, yeah you're, you sit in marketing, you do marketing things, you want to highlight that, but everybody knows you also have pro impact on product. You also have impact on support. And so you should really build up those relationships because like you said, then those people can also be your champions, right? And when you're undergoing change, maybe they're in a meeting that you're not in, but they can say, oh yeah, I know about the community. I can speak on Chris's behalf and, mm -hmm. you know, help everybody understand what the value of this is. And hey, we should, we should bring him in too. And they yeah. can understand those opportunities where that is important. And so, you know, I think the other takeaway I would tell everybody is like, always be doing that internal networking, always be doing that internal relationship building. It's just so incredibly important to to have those champions to have those shared resources all of those pieces and that is one of the things that does help create stability when you're yeah. undergoing change you know if you've got colleagues in several departments that kind of know what you do even as you shift you know that's going to remain constant and that's really helpful i was uh about two weeks ago, I was talking to this guy that does some of these webinars, these live webinars and everything else. And he asked me a question. I was like, 
he said something like, oh, this, this thing was really good about this question on the community, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's got some influence. I said, yeah, hey, I appreciate it. And, and I'm glad that you said that. Just just let your boss know or let so-and-so know that there's some value there. He goes, is there yeah. a question? He said, is there a question that there's not value in community? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I love that. But I'm always trying to push. And I was like, you know, that's a good point. But I was like, yeah. still tell them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm always still. just saying, don't. I said, I don't want to be the only advocate of community because I can, obviously, I can preach community all day, every day, and tell you what the value is. But when it comes from others is really the key, you know, and, and it's okay for you to ask them to do that. You know, like I do. Don't be shy. Yeah. You know, just say, hey, well, good. And you got to pay it forward too, right? I yeah, do that for other people course. and other colleagues as well. Um, and I really try to, to help understand their programs, represent them, let people know when they're doing good stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's especially valuable for community because it is, it's a space that's still not as well understood as maybe some other business functions are. Um, well, and so it, maybe, maybe not like we, we, we've said that for years and, and, and probably it's been true, I know, right? <laughs> and so it's so ingrained in our heads that people don't get the value of community, right? You know, and so the way I've been thinking of it lately is. I, I think people do to some degree, right? I, I think we have to continue to build out the programs, build out the value and, and act as every other department does to show what value we, do, we bring to the business. Definitely think that. But I also think that, you know, um, that maybe it's not so misunderstood completely, right? It is much, I mean, you've been with Zendesk for six and a half years. I mean, maybe yeah. most people get community, right? And so, uh, you know, instead of preaching the value of community, which I think people know, it's like, all right, here's the key KPIs for, you know, community, this, what we know, whatever. We still got to be that evangelist for community, but maybe we should think about it in a different way. You know, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's like, I assume there's value here. I've built this from ground up. This has been around for six and a half years or seven, eight, whatever, as long as it's been, it's been around for Zendesk forever, you know? And so obviously they see value. And you continue to get headcount in the midst of, you know, some, you know, tough times at times, right? And so you're you're doing something right, you know. So. Well, but I still would say it's a constant evangelism of it, and I think I think people understand the idea of community in general now, right? Yeah. Like most companies will go in and say, like, yeah, we should have community. It's important. We've we've seen it do all these things. You know, most leaders look at Salesforce Trailblazers and they know what a difference yeah. that made for that organization, and that's still sort of the, the gold standard, it seems. But I think the challenge is people assume there's a lot of like misconceptions of what we mean, right? Yeah. And you and I both know every company handles community a little bit differently. But I've had <laughs> yeah, people be like, I want to talk to you about community. And then they come in and ask me a whole bunch of questions about Twitter. And I'm like, yeah, that's the social media team. Yeah, they actually sit exactly. in a different part of the organization. You know, if we want to talk about community, we're talking about user groups, we're talking about brand evangelists, we're talking about our online discussion forums, we're talking about our community events. Mm -hmm. We work with social and we coordinate with them and we try to, you know, we recognize that a lot of the users are in both spaces, but they're different things. And so I think that's the key for me is often having to sort of do a lot of internal education on what, what we mean by community at this company and what the opportunities are and where maybe there is still some value being left on the table that we could lean into and that kind of no, thing. No, it's, well. it's true. If I look back, you know, when you start new employees come in or whatever, you know, then they, they don't know, you know, and so there's some of that, yeah. but even, you know, leaders, I think 
just like anything, um, something that was told to me was, look, you can't just say it one time. You've got to continue yeah. to talk about it and things like that. Sometimes you get tired of doing that, you know, because you feel like you've done it 400 times and maybe you have, but you need to do it 400 more times, you know. That hey, can- how many times do rock stars sing their number one hit exactly. over a 20-year career? Like, <laughs> I I went to a Collective Soul concert last week. They were real hot in the 90s. Uh-huh. Um and they were, you know, it was funny. They actually like, asked the audience permission to sing some of their new stuff because they knew that everybody was there to hear the old stuff, the hits that they remember from high school. Yeah. And um, I was like, I was amazed at how much energy and excitement they could still put into singing those same songs that they probably sing 300 times a year. At least. <laughs> for 30 years, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, you got to repeat your story. And maybe it's not... I love that analogy. That That is so true. <laughs> it's it's like, how do you stay relevant and popular? And, you know, they're old, the old school stuff still works. You know, you go to Def Leppard mm-hmm. concerts or, you know, any of those concerts, you don't want to hear anything new necessarily. You want to hear the same things. But Yeah. You want to hear that song that you remember from, you know, listening to back when, like, old <laughs> memories tied to it and yeah. things like that. So, yeah, you got to tell people over and over... But here's another cool thing about change. Sometimes you get told no. Yeah. And then things change. And you might get told yes this time. And I know that, like, on on the flip side of having to sort of evangelize and re-educate over and over, it also means that there's often new opportunities to pursue things that you couldn't pursue a year or two ago or under a different manager or when you had a different mission. And another important thing and I've really learned this the hard way a few times in my career is don't assume that that no that you got five years ago still holds. Yeah. You got to, you got to leave the baggage behind. (laughs) You got to come at things with fresh eyes and, you know, try it again. It's that grudge you talked about, or we talked about is you can't get mad about it. And if you do, yeah, yeah, it's, it's probably okay for a minute, you know, but let it go, move on, go to the next thing to, you know, it's not always easy, you know, because you, nobody well, wants, go ahead. I was going to say, I think the hardest thing for community builders is we are so, we pour so much of ourselves yeah. into this work, right? I mean, our personal brands and our, our community brands are, are so intertwined. You also can't get too precious with it. At the mm. end of the day, you have to remember that the community doesn't belong to you. Yeah. It actually doesn't even really belong to the company necessarily. It belongs to the members. Um, but it's like it goes like members and then the company and and then the people that actually run it. Yeah. And there are going to be times that you're going to get directives you disagree with. And, you know, from a strategic standpoint, if you're like, no, this is really bad. This is going to kill the community. Yeah, you should push back. But there are times that you're going to be asked to go in a new direction, to push something, to experiment with something, maybe to leave something behind that you really care about, mm. but is like way labor intensive and doesn't really have the ROI on it. And that's the other key is, you know, don't get mad about it and don't be too precious with it. Be willing to experiment, be willing to evolve. It's good for your community too, right? The community has got to keep evolving alongside the business. So. No, that's right. That's right. And, uh, well, I look, I think we've exhausted that topic, but I thought it was awesome. So. Yeah. I liked talking about that. I've been, I've been working on my presentation topic for the CMX conference this year. And I think this might, this might be a good one to cover. So I like it. Yeah. I wish, that a little bit. I wish I could go to that. We have our own conference the exact same dates. So unfortunately, oh my I gosh, that week, yeah. there's all sorts of different things. going. I actually like multiple members of my team going to different 
parts of the country that week to cover different events. Like there's one for us, there's CMX support driven is like the week after community roundtables got their event. It's Uh just, I I really feel like this is a little bit that post COVID, like everybody's coming out. We all picked the same week to go (laughs) schedule stuff. It's Um, a good week to do, to do them, but you know, it's kind of like, why didn't they spread it all up? Uh, uh, out a little bit. Have something in November or September. You know what I mean? So yeah, let's let's spread them out next year, guys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, Nicole, thanks for another great conversation on Peers Over Beers. I'm Chris Detzel, and I'm Nicole Saunders. Thank you, Nicole. Have a great day.